Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 146. In our episode today, we'll be looking at 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, Matthew chapter 6, and seeing in the stories here uh, what I might call the outer and inner life of people. We see and meet a number of different people, but we see how the inner life actually causes the outer life to be seen. That if you want to know what's going on inside, you can often see it by seeing what people present to the world and how they behave. And our passages in the Old Testament warn us about that connection. And Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, tells us about the need for the inner life change so that the outer life can be a reflection of it. But let's begin today with 2 Kings 7. And we pick up the story here where we left off last time, where Elisha is in the city of Samaria with all the people. They're being starved to death by the invading army. And Elisha is basically saying that uh, something good is going to come. Don't, don't be afraid. And he's been threatened to have his head chopped off just a few moments ago. And this is Elisha's reply to the person who's come to actually assassinate him. Second Kings chapter 7. Elisha replied, Listen to the Lord's message. This is what the Lord has said. About this time tomorrow, a seah of finely milled flour will sell for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel and at the gate of Samaria. An officer who was the king's right-hand man responded to the prophet saying, Look, even if the Lord made it rain by opening holes in the sky, could this happen so soon? Elisha said, Look, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of the food. Now four men with a skin disease were sitting at the entrance of the city gate. They said to one another, Why are we just sitting here waiting to die? If we go into the city, we'll die of starvation. If we stay here, we'll die. So come on, let's defect to the Syrian camp. If they spare us, we'll live. If they kill us, well, we are going to die anyway. So they started toward the Syrian camp at dusk. When they reached the edge of the Syrian camp, there was no one there. The Lord had caused the Syrian camp to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a large army. Then they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has paid the kings of the Hittite and Egyptians to attack us. So they got up and fled at dusk, leaving behind their tents, horses, and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. When the men with the skin disease reached the edge of the camp, they entered a tent and had a meal. They also took some silver and gold and clothes and went and hid it all. Then they went back and entered another tent. And they looked at it and went and hid they looted it, sorry, and went and hid what they had taken. Then they said to one another, It's not right that we're what we're doing. This is a day to celebrate, but we haven't told anyone. If we wait until dawn, we'll be punished. So come on, let's go and inform the royal palace. So they went and called out to the gatekeepers of the city. They told them, We entered the Syrian camp and there was no one there. We didn't even hear a man's voice. But the horses and donkeys are still tied up and the tents remain up. The gatekeepers relayed the news to the royal palace. The king got up in the night and said to his advisors, I will tell you what the Syrians have done. 
They know we are starving, so they left the camp and hid in the field, thinking, when they come out of the city, we will capture them alive and enter the city. One of his advisors replied, Pick some men and have them take five of the horses that are left in the city. Even if they are killed, their fate will be no different than all the Israelite people. We're all going to die. Let's send them out so we can know for sure what's going on. So they picked two horsemen and the king sent them on to track the Syrian army. He ordered, Go and find out what's going on. So they tracked them as far as the Jordan. The road was filled with clothes and equipment that the Syrians had discarded in their haste. The scouts went back and told the king. Then the people went out and looted the Syrian camp. A seah of finely milled flour sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel, just as the Lord's, just as in the Lord's message. Now the king had placed the officer who was at his right hand, the right-hand man at the city gate. When the people rushed out, they trampled him to death in the gate. This fulfilled the prophet's word, which, we had spo- which he had spoken when the king had tried to arrest him. The prophet had told the king, Two seahs of barley will sell for a shekel, and a seah of finely milled flour for a shekel. This will happen about this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria. But the officer had replied to the prophet, Look, even if the Lord made it rain by opening holes in the sky, could this happen so soon? Elisha had said, Look, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of the food. This is exactly what happened to him. The people trampled him to death in the city gate. Now Elisha advised the woman whose son he had brought back to life, You and your family should go and live somewhere else for a while, for the Lord has decreed a famine that will overtake the land for seven years. So the woman did as the prophet said. She and her family went and lived in the land of the Philistines for seven years. After seven years, the woman returned from the land of the Philistines and went to ask the king to give her back her house and field. Now the king was talking to Gehazi, the prophet's servant, and said, Tell me all about the great things that Elisha has done. While Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had brought the dead back to life, the woman whose son he had brought back to life came to ask the king for her house and field. Gehazi said, My master, O king, this is the very woman, and this is her son whom Elisha brought back to life. The king asked the woman about it, and she gave him the details. The king assigned a eunuch to take care of her request and ordered him, Give her back everything she owns as well as the amount of crops her field produced from the day she left until now. Elisha, in the meantime, traveled to Damascus while King Hadad of Syria was sick. The king was told, The prophet has come here. So the king told Haziel, Take a gift and go visit the prophet. Request from him an oracle from the Lord. Ask him, Will I recover from this sickness? So Haziel went to visit Elisha. He took along a gift as well as 40 camel loads of fine things of Damascus. When he arrived, he stood before him and said, Your son, King Ben-Hadad of Syria, has sent me to you with this question. Will I recover from this sickness? Elisha said to him, Go and tell him, You will surely recover. But the Lord has revealed to me that he will surely die. Elisha just stared at him until Hazael became uncomfortable. Then the prophet started crying. Haziel asked, Why are you crying, my master? He replied, Because I know the trouble you will cause the Israelites. You will set fire to their fortresses, kill their young men with the sword, smash their children to bits, and rip open their pregnant women. Haziel said, How could your servant, who is as insignificant as a dog, accomplish this great military victory? Elisha answered, The Lord has revealed to me that you will be the king of Syria. 
He left Elisha and went to his master. Ben-Hadad asked him, What did Elisha tell you? Hazael replied, He told me you would surely recover. The next day, Hazael took a piece of cloth, dipped it in water, and spread it over Ben-Hadad's face until he died. Then Hazael replaced him as king. In the fifth year of the reign of Israel's king Joram, son of Ahab, Jehoshaphat's son Jehoram became king over Judah. He was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned for eight years in Jerusalem. He followed in the footsteps of the kings of Israel, just as Ahab's dynasty had done, for he married Ahab's daughter. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, but the Lord was unwilling to destroy Judah. He preserved Judah for the sake of his servant David, to whom he had promised a perpetual dynasty. During his reign, Edom freed themselves from Judah's control and set up their own king. Jehoram crossed over to Zer with all his chariots. The Edomites who had surrounded him attacked at night and defeated him and his chariot officers. The Israelite army retreated to their homeland, so Edom has remained free from Judah's control to this very day. At that same time, Libna also rebelled. The rest of the events of Jehoram's reign, including a record of his accomplishments, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Judah. Jehoram passed away and was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. His son Ahaziah replaced him as king. In the twelfth year of the reign of King Israel's King Joram, son of Ahab, Jehoram's son Ahaziah became king over Judah. Ahaziah was twenty-two years old when he became king, and he reigned for one year in Jerusalem. His mother was Athaliah, the granddaughter of King Omri of Israel. He followed in the footsteps of Ahab's dynasty and did evil in the sight of the Lord as Ahab's dynasty had done, for he was related to Ahab's family. He joined Ahab's son Joram in a battle against King Hazael of Syria at Ramoth-Gilead, in which the Syrians defeated Joram. King Joram returned to Jezreel to cover from the wounds he received from the Syrians in Ramah when he fought against King Hazael of Syria. King Ahaziah, son of Jehoram of Judah, went down to visit Joram, son of Ahab, in Jezreel, for he was ill. And we'll leave that story there and move over to Second Chronicles chapter 21. And here we see some of this story repeated in a somewhat different fashion. Second Chronicles chapter 21. Jehoshaphat passed away and was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. His son Jehoram replaced him as king. His brothers, Jehoshaphat's sons, were Azariah, Jekiel, Zechariah, Azariahu, Michael, and Sheftatiah. All of these were sons of King Jehoshaphat of Israel. Their father gave them many presents, including silver, gold, and other precious items, along with fortified cities in Judah. But he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. Jehoram took control of his father's kingdom and became powerful. Then he killed all his brothers, as well as some of the officials of Israel. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned for eight years in Jerusalem. He followed in the footsteps of the kings of Israel, just as Ahab's dynasty had done, for he married Ahab's daughter. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, but the Lord was unwilling to destroy David's dynasty because of the promise he had made to, to David to give him a perpetual dynasty. During Jehoram's reign, Edom freed themselves from Judah's control and set up their own king. Jehoram crossed over with his officers and all his chariots. The Edomites, who had surrounded him, attacked that night and defeated him and his chariot officers. So Edom has remained free from Judah's control to this very day. At the same time, Libna also rebelled and freed themselves from Judah's control because Jehoram rejected the Lord God of his ancestors. He also built high places on the hills of Judah. He encouraged the residents of Jerusalem to be unfaithful to the Lord and, jed and led Judah away from the Lord. 
Jehoram received this letter from Elijah the prophet. This is what the Lord God of your ancestor David says. You have not followed in the footsteps of your father Jehoshaphat and of King Asa of Judah, but instead have followed in the footsteps of the kings of Israel. You encourage the people of Judah and the residents of Jerusalem to be unfaithful to the Lord, just as the family of Ahab does in Israel. You also killed your brothers, members of your father's family, who were better than you. So look, the Lord is about to severely afflict your people, your sons, your wives, and all you own. And you will get a serious chronic intestinal disease, which will cause your intestines to come out. The Lord stirred up against Jehoram the Philistines and the Arabs who lived beside the Kishites. They attacked Judah and swept through it. They carried off everything they found in the royal palace, including his sons and wives. None of his sons was left, except for his youngest, Ahaziah. After all this happened, the Lord afflicted him with an incurable intestinal disease. After about two years, his intestines came out because of the disease, so that he died a very painful death. His people did not make a bonfire to honor him, as they had done for his ancestors. Jehoram was 32 years old when when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. No one regretted his death. He was buried in the city of David, but not in the royal tombs. And there we see, especially in the life of Jehoram, this king, the evil that he had done, this outer life shows the inner life. And it actually was so devastating because it was not just doing damage to his own heart and life and to his own relationship with God, but as king, he was ruining the people of Judah. He was ruining God's people and God brought punishment on him for that inner and outer life that was just so far from what it ought to be. And now we're going to move to Matthew chapter 6 where we see Jesus describe this inner and outer life in the second part of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus continuing the Sermon on the Mount. Be careful not to display your righteousness merely to be seen by people. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father in heaven. Thus, whenever you do charitable giving, do not blow a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in synagogues and on streets so that people will praise them. I tell you the truth, they have their reward. But when you do your giving, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your gift may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray while standing in synagogues and on street corners so that people can see them. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. When you pray, do not babble repetitiously like the Gentiles, because they think that by their many words they will be heard. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So pray this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we ourselves have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. When you fast, do not look sullen like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that people will see them fasting. I tell you the truth, they have, they have their reward. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others when you are fasting, but only to your Father who is, in, who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not accumulate for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and devouring insect destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
but accumulate for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and devouring insect do not destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If then your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is diseased, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they are? And which of you by worrying can add an even an hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothing? Think about how the flowers of the field grow. They do not work or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. And if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow is tossed into the fire to heat the oven, won't he clothe you even more, you people of little faith? So then, don't worry saying, What will we eat? Or, What will we drink? Or, What will we wear? For the unconverted pursue these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But above all, pursue his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So then, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. And here in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, over and again, Jesus is showing the contrast between uh, a false outer self with a dark inner self, that really ultimately what God is seeking for is somebody who is loving him from the heart and seeking to serve him from the heart so that prayers uh, fasting, which is a way of showing dedication to God and giving your attention to Him, giving to God, that all of these things are done not as an outward presentation so that God can reward you or that other people can see it and reward you, but they're to be done from a heart that's loving God and worshiping God and serving God because you see the wonder of who God is. And it's a great reminder, I think, for everybody to think about the hypocrisy that happens in all of our lives and to seek God's forgiveness and love and, his ch- and the changing power of his spirit so that you can actually live this new life, one in which the inner life is reflected in honest, good, worshiping ways, loving God and loving neighbor as God has first loved us. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You're-